<laughs> if we could talk about it, I would have written about it. <laughs> it's just between us. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, basically, I tried to find a way I could write about most of my experience. You know, you, once again, you had to find the right voice and you had to find a voice you were comfortable in opening up your life and revealing parts of yourself that normally might feel awkward. Um, and then I suppose the, the, the trickiest part to write about was the third section of the book where it's all people you're living with and people you currently, you know, have a life with. And so you're, you know, you're more, a little more sensitive about, about that section when Patty was very helpful with me there. As a censor, or? No. <laughs> Not really. She cut me a lot of slack and gave me a lot of room to uh, express myself, you know? So I have to thank her for that. T-Bone Burnett once said that rock and roll is one long scream of, Daddy! <laughs> I believe that's true, you know? That's true in my case, anyway. <laughs> And, I, and, and your father and his, uh, the reality of your relationship and his difficulties and the anxiety caused you when you're young and its afterlife and its profound influence on your work is a dominant uh, part of this book. And I, I wondered if you could read, there's a passage on page, in fact, 29 we discussed before we came in. Yep. Get out those reading glasses. <laughs> Put those cameras down. <laughs> I only use them in bed. Twat, hey. <laughs> there it is. All right. Uh, okay. Here we go. Unfortunately, my dad's desire to engage with me always came after the nightly religious ritual of the sacred six-pack. It was one beer after another in the pitch dark of our kitchen. It was always then that he wanted to see me. It was always the same. A few moments of feigned parental concern for my well-being, followed by the real deal, the hostility and raw anger toward his son, the only other man in the house. It was a shame. He loved me, but he couldn't stand me. He felt we competed for my mother's affections. We did. He also saw in me too much of his real self. My pop was built like a bull, always in work clothes. He was strong, physically formidable. Toward the end of his life, he fought back from death many times. Inside, however, beyond his rage, he harbored a gentleness, a timidity, shyness, and a dreamy insecurity. These were all the things that I wore on the outside. And the reflections of these qualities in his boy repelled him, made him angry. It was soft. He hated soft. Of course, he'd been brought up soft, a mama's boy just like me. One evening at the kitchen table, late in life, when he was not well, he told me a story of being pulled out of a fight he was having in the schoolyard. My grandmother had walked over from our house and dragged him home. He recounted his humiliation and said, eyes welling, I was winning. I was winning. He still didn't understand he could not be risked. He was the one remaining living child. My grandmother, confused, could not realize her untempered love was destroying the men she was raising. I told him I understood. 
that we've been raised by the same woman in some of the most formative years of our lives and suffered many of the same humiliations. However, back in the days when our relationship was at its most tempestuous, these things remained mysteries, created a legacy of pain and misunderstanding. I, th I think, Bruce, part of the emotional power of that is that you understand so much of it now, but in, in real time, yeah. as a young person, you understood so little. In other words, what's the gulf? How long did it take you to begin to understand him from the, from the inside? Well, let me see. 35, 40, I don't know, 50 years, two psychiatrists, one died on me already. <laughs> Long time. <laughs> I wrote a piece about you some years ago.